Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.16 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 25th of April, 2022. This is episode 579 of Bitcoin and good morning, every single synthetic system on this planet is fucked. Sorry. If it's something that even resembles, you know, group of people getting into a room, sitting down and adjusting their ties over a table and, you know, glad handing each other. And if there's any amount of politics involved, which is pretty much all of them, and it creates any kind of centralized system that is a synthetic system. Food systems, right? systems of finance, loan making, money making, and I'm talking about printing, money printer go burr, right? That's, what, that's the kind of shit I'm talking about here. Medical systems, nutritional systems, distribution systems, which obviously includes supply chain. If it is a man-made synthetic system, as of right now, as you wake up this morning, that system is fucked. Thankfully, Bitcoin fixes this. So why am I starting out this way? Well, I just got back from the Beef Initiative, the conference that Texas Slim, aka Modern T-Man on Twitter put together And I got to tell you, for a dude's first first project out of the gate, putting together a conference that was this good is not what I expected. It's not that I expected, you know, Slim to fail, not by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I knew it would be good, but Lord have mercy. I had no idea it was going to be like this. This thing took on a life of its own. And I'm going to talk I'm going to talk about some of the things that happened, but I think it's going to take me pretty much like a, a couple of shows this week to kind of really get through and try to if you weren't there to try to wrap your head around what I saw and how I felt being at the Beef Initiative Conference in Kerrville, Texas this weekend. First of all, Hill Country. Again, if you've never been to Central Texas, if you, if you close your eyes and you envision Texas and you think it's just flat and hot and dusty, well, you get the hot right. It's hot fucking everywhere in the summer. But the whole flat and dusty and like non, non-vegetative is bullshit. You need to literally take a tour across Texas. My advice is start in El Paso and drive east through West Texas 
through the hill country and then all the way to something like Milam, Texas out in the Piney Woods. And you will see hardcore desert. You will see Great Plains. You will see hill country covered in trees and scrub and things like of that nature. And then when you get to the east side of the I-35 corridor, it becomes even more lush. And by the time you get to the Piney Woods, and I'm going to make this statement, and anybody from Colorado is going to lose their freaking mind, we got more pine forest in Texas than the entire state of Colorado. We have more board feet of pine in Texas than in Colorado. That's just the honest, God's honest truth. You can go from the coast to a desert, to deep pine forest, to hill country, to deciduous forests in all in the same state. You have to go to Texas and see this thing, okay? Uh, I've been, I was born here, I was raised here. You cannot miss what Texas has to offer, all right? So now with that said, getting back into the beef initiative, let me do it this way. I'm gonna go through the event schedule and talk briefly about what was said. And I'm probably not gonna be able to do it justice, but I gotta try, I gotta do something here because the the amount of pilling that was going on between Rancher and Bitcoiner was amazing. So I, I do wanna say this before we begin, because we are, the Beef Initiative is, Literally, it, it's, it's this particular conference was not about, but it ended up being hooking up Bitcoiners with what ranchers actually do, what they go through. We also talked about nutrition and a few other things, but <clears throat> this is about agriculture at its heart even though we're just talking about ranching we didn't talk about farming or vegetable farming and god knows we sure shit didn't talk about commodity cropping what we talked about however though is at the heart of agriculture and i want you to listen to what i'm about to say very very carefully because i don't think anybody actually understands this there it well some people do but most people have no idea what is coming? And I'm not talking about food shortages. That may be a consequence. That may happen even if it's not a consequence. No, 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 no. I'm talking about succession. Land, specifically agricultural land in succession. What does succession mean? It means passing the land but from one owner to another owner, either by passing it down to members of your own family through inheritance or a full-on sale of agricultural land transferring ownership from one owner to another. That's succession, okay? You have to have a plan for succession. What are you gonna do with your land when you die? If you are going to get into ranching or farming or anything having to do with agriculture, what happens to the land when you die. And I'm here to tell you 
almost no modern farmer, rancher, nut grove operator, any of these guys, they don't have a plan because they kind of can't have a plan. Let me just state it this way. In this decade, one half, one half of all American agricultural real estate will undergo ownership transfer. It is the largest transfer of this kind during peacetime in the history of the world. Almost none of this land will be passed down within a family. Really let that sink in. Let's, let's do it one more time. In this decade, one half of all agricultural real estate will undergo under ownership transfer and almost none of it will be passed down to the children of the landowner of that agricultural land. If, if, if you run that around your head a few times, the implications should become clear. If they're not clear, let me sum it up this way with one name. Bill Gates. This is how you get Bill Gates being able to do the shit that he's able to do. And that shit's going to be reinforced. And it doesn't even have to be reinforced right now. But let's say every kid that whose daddy and mommy was a rancher or a farmer or a nut grove operator or a fruit orchard operator, every single one of them wanted that land. The United States government is talking about onerous, onerous inheritance tax and that would include the inheritance tax on the agricultural land as it's transferred from parent to child which means that they value the land at this ungodly price and there's no way that kid's got enough money in the bank without selling off portions of that land to make that inheritance tax so already you've got a situation if they're interested at all and they're not and we'll get into that <clears throat> You've already got a situation where you've got to peel off part of your land and reduce your acreage by law because taxes and shit like that that we've allowed to go unabated. We've never actually bitched about it enough. The last time we bitched about it enough for real change was, well, the American Revolution, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm just saying, 1776, let that one sink in. Okay, but, you know, honestly... We kind of don't need to worry about that, do we? Because none of the children of farmers and ranchers and nut grove operators and orchards, and you name it, are interested in taking over the farming, ranching, orcharding practices of their parents. They don't want to do it. They're raised in a family that it's so hard to make ends meet right now and has been for so long why would you want to do that? Conventional agriculture has forced these people over the past decades, we're talking at least five decades, and let's go ahead and add another one just for good measure, just to make sure we've got our bases covered. For six fucking decades, forced farmers into doing shit with their land that is completely unnatural and it's put them in a situation where they just don't make ends meet without having an off-farm job and that's bullshit. Did you want to eat tomorrow? Because if you want to eat tomorrow, you better figure out that the food does not come from a grocery store. 
Now, for most of the listeners in this audience, I know you get it. But I guarantee you there is a shitload of the population that doesn't even think about it. They just go to the grocery store and that's where food comes from. And as ludicrous as that is, that is reality, ladies and gentlemen. We are dealing with the majority of the American population and probably Western, the majority of the West, let's just say. Default to this this thing in the back of their head that says, oh, food at grocery store. We don't look at the farms that provide the grocery store with the food that they actually sell. If the grocery store can't get the food, neither can you. So now we've got a situation where this decade, half of American agricultural real estate is going to transfer ownership and most of it is not going to be passed down within the family. Legacies are being burnt to the ground. Gasoline has been thrown on it. Lighters at the ready. And it's going to burn down. I don't have a solution for this to tell you, oh, well, here's how we fix it. Other than saying Bitcoin fixes this, which is why we did the beef initiative. That's why I paid the money to go and drive my happy ass seven hours through a fucking dust storm. And it was a bad one too, by the way. I drove from the Panhandle of Texas to Kerrville in 38 mile an hour sustained winds coming directly up from the direction I was traveling in. I'm in a Jeep Jeep Wrangler, ladies and gentlemen. If you've ever driven in the wind in a box at 70 miles an hour and I was doing good to do 70 miles an hour, then you know what I'm talking about. Seven hours I had to be on the road to go to this thing because I felt it was that important. Half of the agricultural real estate that is to be transferred between the panhandle of Texas and Kerrville was up in the sky. Fields laid bare. It's the middle of April and I'm literally seeing cotton fields that are not going to be planted this year. How can I tell? Because there's still stubble in the field. It's completely bare and there are no new plants coming up. Now, there are fields, there are many fields that are, they are gonna do it. That's okay. I mean, it, yes, that's going to happen. There's going to be crops of, of things that are actually grown this year, but all a surprising amount of acreage that I drove through are still showing no signs of any agricultural activity upon them. It's bad enough that they keep these fields bare with no plants growing on them during the winter months. But when it's like past mid-April and I see no like, uh, like, new, like new growth in the fields, means they haven't seeded. If they haven't seeded cotton yet, we're getting real late into the season for them to actually be able to have a crop of cotton. And I'm in like most of, most of what I drove through is actually cotton country. And then it goes into rangeland. I got pictures of just dust everywhere. It was gusting to 50 miles an hour. There's nothing that's slowing down the wind up here. All the trees have been cut down because we needed the agricultural fields. And we didn't know that we could probably have both trees and pasture and crop. 
But no, there's no, there's no trees, so there's no windbreak. The scouring of the panhandle down all the way to freaking Sweetwater, Texas, which is not in the panhandle, that's actually in, in the great guts and feathers of the state of Texas, is all the dirt was up in the sky. The scouring was just ridiculous. So I get to Kerrville and take a breather, go to the bar, have a whiskey, have a beer or four, whatever. I wake up and I get to the conference at nine. And the first thing that we did is sort of have an introduction from what was going to happen with Texas Slim. And he, his uh, buddy, Jason Rich, is a guy from uh, Colorado. He's a rancher from Colorado. Good guy. Met him. Talked to him for several hours. Marty Bent was on that panel. And a guy named Charles Mayfield acted as the moderator. And we sort of started there with just like these kind of sort of just them just discussing what's going on in the world, kind of how it relates to to, uh, ranching. And we started from there. So the very first person up to give the first actual talk talk, you know, solo talk was Cole Bolton, KNC Cattle Company. This gentleman was somebody that I wanted to meet and I got to meet him and we got to talk a lot about this stuff. And he wanted to talk about regenerative agriculture, okay? Where where does Bitcoin fit into that? How does Bitcoin enable the rancher to connect with consumers and local outlets? Now, again, there's no straightforward answer to how we fix all this shit. The fact of the matter is, is that we got a group of 100 people chilling out together. Half of them are Bitcoiners and the other half of them are somehow or another connected to ranching or some kind of cropping. And when I mean cropping, I mean like think of a farm, okay? All together in the same room. And the first guy up, Cole Bolton, is talking about his operation, grasses, pasture, meat, nutrition, Bitcoin. And that's when... I started getting the notion of, I got a rancher here who's talking to other ranchers and other ag people and he's talking in their language and then all of a sudden he starts talking in a foreign tongue, the tongue of Bitcoin, the tongue of true money, actual, honest to God money. We went through why money is screwed with Jimmy Song. He was the next guy up, faith in Bitcoin. He described very clearly what has happened to the legacy financial system and how it created a worldwide inequality and talked about faith-driven investors fixing it with Bitcoin. So now you've got a full-on Christian talking to a conservative agricultural group of people about faith in their language. And then he starts talking about the broken financial system, which they can start to understand. I mean, it's like he's not talking about Bitcoin yet. He's talking about the the legacy financial system and how it's screwed with graphs, with numbers, not some kind of, oh, well, I think it's screwed because X, Y, and Z. No, 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 no. He made it very clear that the amount of money printing that has gone on and other things have put us in a position where there is no going back. And then he starts talking in a foreign tongue 
to agricultural producers. That is the tongue of Bitcoin. Do you see a pattern? Do you see a pattern yet? I'll go on. We had lunch. We had burgers. It's a pretty good burger. Not bad. Not a bad burger at all. <clears throat> but then we reconvened. And we had a talk from a woman named Mary Care. She's a medical doctor. Kind of does general health, nutrition, metabolic situations. But she literally has, she like said that a decade ago, she stopped being involved in any kind of insurance. If you're her patient, your insurance is not paying for her. You're paying out of pocket. She doesn't want to have anything to do with it. She told us a horror story. And now we're talking about the pharmaceutical system and the medical system. Remember how I said at the beginning of the show that all synthetic systems on this planet are fucked? Check this shit out. So Mary has been a doctor, a medical doctor for years. Dealing with metabolic problems, nutritional problems, solving that. And she also does general practice, okay? She's, her specialty is this metabolic and, and stuff, but she's, she, if you go in with the flu, she'll, she'll give you something, right? You can go in and do the general GP stuff, the general practitioner stuff. You go get your checkup. You go get your physical from her, right? Like everything that a, you think about a doctor doing, she does. She just has a specialty in nutrition and metabolic diseases and stuff like that. So during the pandemic, she was assigning, and she didn't say the name, but I'm pretty sure she was talking about um, the Trump drugs that everybody immediately hated, even though those things have been in circulation for decades. They're old drugs. And she was threatened, told by pharma pharmacists who didn't go to medical school. They went to pharmacy school. They're more glorified chemists than they are an actual fucking doctor. Threatening her that not only would they not fill that prescription because, you know, it's a Trump drug. Actually, they didn't say it was because it was a Trump drug, but you know what I'm talking about. What's well, it? Q-certain and which isn't an actually prescribed drug, but what are the other two? The, the hydroxychloroquine, was that it? You know what I'm talking about. The drugs that, that, that the media would not allow you to take for COVIDs, right? <clears throat> So not only would they not prescribe, they would not fill her prescription. So if she filled a prescription for these things because these people had COVIDs, they would go to this pharmacy and the pharmacist would tell her or the patient, we're not going to fill it. It's not going to happen. And then they had the fucking audacity to call this poor woman and tell her they were going to report her to the Texas Medical Board. You know, people say, oh, I'm going to call the the United States Associate, the, the American Medical Association. Yeah, they don't do dick. If you got a problem with the doctor, you need to go to that state's medical board. And that's where the pharmacists were threatening, threatening to go. They were threatening her livelihood. They were threatening her medical license. They were threatening all the time she spent in medical school. They were threatening all the bullshit she had to go through to study for past the MCAT. It was like they were taking her entire young adulthood away from her. And it was not one, it wasn't two, it was many. She, they had to have their prescriptions filled at small pharmacies, family pharmacies, 
Walgreens, no. Walmart, no. United Pharmacies, United from United Supermarkets, no. I think she was basically saying all the big ones were saying no. No. They had to go to the corner store pharmacy to get that shit filled. And she was getting threatened. Every synthetic system on the face of this planet is fucked. And Bitcoin fixes this. We're plugging Bitcoin into agriculture right now. And the people that were on these panels were talking in situations, in languages that the non-Bitcoiners could easily understand. And then they started talking about Bitcoin. Even Mary Kerr talked a little bit about Bitcoin, but she talked more about nutrition. And here's one of the most mind-blowing things that I got out of this conference. She was talking about nutritional deficiencies and she had six or seven nutrients on a screen, like one of her slides showed the names of these six or seven nutrients that she finds are most depleted in Americans' health. B12 was one of them. And we talked a little bit about how some people can't process B12 in pill form. They have to get it from beef. Beef has a form of B12 in it that is much more readily uptakeable by the human metabolic system than anything else. Again, synthetic systems are fucked. That includes vitamins and supplements. Beef. We were there for the beef initiative, right? Well, B12. But that's not what blew my mind. I already knew that. Here's what blew my mind. Zinc, selenium, and iron. That's what blew my mind. Because you get all of them from beef. And it's really funny. Because what does beef, where does beef come from? Beef come from cow. Cow and steer. Right? Steer is a bull that's had its balls chopped off and is used for meat production as well as as cow. Although you really, depending on your operation, you kind of don't want to kill your female cat, your female cows. Why? Well, because they give birth to baby cows, keeps your operation going. So generally speaking, a lot of the meat that we eat is, or a lot of the meat, beef that we consume is steer where a bull has been born. They get it weaned, they get it, you know, getting where it's nice and healthy and then they chop its balls off so that it can't reproduce because they don't want that genetic going back into their thing. They've got one or two bulls that they has really high quality genetics and that's what they breed to the females, which are known as cows. In either event, whether steer or cow, you get zinc, selenium, and iron. We all knew about the iron because it's in hemoglobin, right? The, the thing that makes your, red, your, your blood red. It's what actually does the oxygen carrying in the blood to the cells and gets carbon dioxide and takes it back to the lungs where the whole process starts over again. But the zinc and selenium was the one that I was really interested in. Why? Guess what has to occur for photosynthesis to take place? If you were to search zinc and photosynthesis, you'll find out that zinc is critical for plant photosynthesis. If you were to search for selenium and photosynthesis, you would find that selenium is critical for photosynthesis. Iron 
is the core molecule around which chlorophyll is built. Chlorophyll is part of the photosynthetic systems, photosystem one and photosystem two. There are two systems of photosynthesis in plants. Most of them, like 99.98% have both photosystems. And iron is the central molecule in the particular protein in, well, in chlorophyll, right? Without it, the entire electron the entire electron chain that photosynthesis depends on to build sugars is gone. It doesn't work. So if you were in a biology class in any time in the last 70 years, you, you know this, or you heard it, and maybe I'm reminding you now, but you, you've heard it. Iron is what makes photosynthesis happen. That's not the only one. Because it's not just about chlorophyll, ladies and gentlemen, when it, comes to, when it comes to photosynthesis. You need zinc and you need selenium too. Now check it out. We're, as American nutritional diets are concerned, we are woefully deficient in iron and zinc and selenium. We are connected nutritionally to the grass via the ruminant animals upon it. And the other light bulb moment went on. What's the, at what point do you find a transition between the ground that you walk upon and the air above it? And I think most people will say, well, it's exactly where the ground, where the ground and grass stops and the air begins. Oh no. The transition point between the ground, the soil, and the sky above it is about 15 feet below the ground and 15 feet above the ground. As you walk on the ground, you are actually part of the soil. As ruminants graze upon the grass, they are munching zinc and selenium and iron. And it just so happens that we've been eating meat for so long that mammalian systems use zinc, selenium, and iron for completely different nutritional issues. We don't photosynthesize, and yet we have to have zinc for our metabolic systems. We have to have selenium for our metabolic systems. Clearly, we have to have fucking iron because otherwise we're anemic, and that's not good, right? So it just so happens that the products <clears throat> that are critical to make grass grow are ingested by the ruminant animals upon the earth turned into beef and, you know, lamb and other meats of evil. And then we eat those and that's how we get zinc and selenium and iron. And we're deficient in all three. Has it sunk in yet? You think about like the, the, we think about, okay, I'm a human, that's a cow and that's grass. What we're not thinking about is that we're directly connected through the cow to the soil. You're part of the soil. Not in, not in a bad way, like not in like a, hey, you're, you're, gonna, you're all worm food because eventually we all die and we get planted back into the soil. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust now has a different meaning for me. It's not that I didn't know this. It's just I had to be around a bunch of Bitcoiners with their ethos, a bunch of ranchers with their ethos, and a medical nutritionist 
that has a medical degree to be able to make these connections for me. I am just as connected to the grass as the cow is connected to the grass. And all of us are connected directly to the soil in real time. If you think you're separate than the animal that walks upon the ground, unless you're vegan, okay, I'm not even going to get into that shit, or vegetarian, I'm not going to get into that shit. People that eat meat, which is the generally speaking majority of the population of the planet, eat meat, then you're actually part of the cow right now. The cow is actually part of the soil right now. The horizon between what is soil and what is sky, the next time you walk outside, you're actually in the soil. And the soil is actually in the air. And I don't know how else to put it. Okay, I really don't. But it's important to understand how connected we are and that we've blown those connections out of the water, which is why every synthetic system on planet Earth is fucked. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. We've got a sell-off of, of uh, flammable liquids. West Texas Intermediate taking massive hit, 5.69% to the downside, well below $100 a barrel to $96.26. Brent North Sea is down also uh, 5.5% to just over 100 at $100.72. Natural gas is ticking up a bit. It is $6.53, which is a very high price for natural gas indeed. Uh, gasoline futures are down 4.4% to $3.16 a gallon, giving some people some relief. But who doesn't get relief? Peter Schiff, back down under $1,900. Gold and your shiny metal rocks are all fucking taking a massive hit today. $1,898.80 per ounce of gold. Silver down 2.84%, platinum down 2.39%, copper is down well over 3%, and check this shit out for palladium, 11% to the downside. 11% to the downside on palladium. All agriculture futures are fucked. They're just all screwed right now. Well, they're not screwed, but they're all way down, way, way, way down. Uh, wheat down 0.3, soybeans down 1.73, sugar is down 1.5, coffee is the biggest loser at 2.64% to the downside, cotton is down 2.21. Pausing right there, I'm, this is not investment advice, but I saw a lot of cotton fields, as I said at the, earlier, at the head of the show, that are not being planted in cotton. What do you think that's going to do? For, if you can buy cotton futures low right now and the price of cotton rises in the future when they find out that some fields were, were they didn't even plant, they didn't even try because of diesel prices, uh, fertilizer prices, then, like I said, not investment advice, but you might want to start taking a look at cotton. Cotton. Rough rice down three quarters of a point. And chocolate is down 2.5%. Uh, let's see. Oh, indices. We've got, ooh, yeah, we've got the Dow down a half a point. 
The S&P is down 0.67, NASDAQ down 0.29, S&P mini is down 0.8%. Real money having its woes today, $38,723. We have had over 2 million Bitcoin sent in the 24 hour period. That's 87,390 Bitcoin being passed every hour on the hour on average with an average transaction value of 8.6 BTC and a median transaction value off of its median down to 0.011 BTC is usually hovering around 0.13 as of the last few weeks. That's about 444 bucks and 22 cents. Block times are low, nine minutes, 14 seconds. 0.06 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and damn near 10 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. With a slight 1% drop in hash rate, we are at 224.3 exahashes per second. And your Dogecoin indicator, oh, sorry, your shitcoin indicator, which is Dogecoin is at 13.9 US pennies. We've got Twitter rumors going on right now. So be careful what you hear about doge if you're new to this show don't shit coin buy bitcoin hold bitcoin buy more bitcoin and figure out something to do until we figure out how to get to hyper bitcoinization all right just saying uh clark moody's dashboard that would be bitcoin.clarkmoody.com forward slash dashboard 3345 transactions waiting on three blocks to clear got a 738.9 billion dollar market cap which is 5.89% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 20.4 ounces of shiny metal rock with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,021,648 and a half of, and 3,612 and a half of those are in Lightning Network, valued at $140.4 million, being run over 16,786 nodes, sporting 81,004, nope, 704 uh, total channels, and 72.6% of all of it is being run over Tor. That's right, Tor and its 11,649 associated nodes. Going back, just to make a note, uh, the total number of nodes that we can see in Bitcoin is 16,786. So ladies and gentlemen, we were over... 20,000 nodes not terribly long ago, like last month, okay? Just saying. Get your node. Spin up a node. It's easy. If you don't know how, then reach, for God's sakes, reach out to somebody on Twitter, like Marty Bent, Matt O'Dell, uh, Texas Slim. If you, he, does, he may not know exactly how to run a node, but he, know, he knows a, a bunch more Twitter names. People that will help you. BTC Sessions, he will help you run a node. They're not expensive. Figure on 400 bucks to do it right, to do it well. It's a rabbit hole on its own, and you should really, really contemplate doing that. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, 11, okay. Yeah. 11,649 Tor nodes that we can see, and that's going to do it for Vitals. All right, before we continue on with the uh, discussion on the beef initiative and what was said, uh, let's do this because it is in the news. Twitter is set to accept Musk's original $43 billion offer. Greg Romolitis is writing this one for Reuters. 
April the 25th, today, Twitter is poised to agree to a sale to Elon Musk for around $43 billion in cash, the price the chief executive of Tesla has called his best and final offer for the social media company people familiar with the matter said. Twitter may announce the $54.20 per share deal later on Monday once its board has met to recommend the transaction to Twitter shareholders, the sources said. It's possible that the deal collapses at the last minute, the sources also added. Musk, the world's richest person according to Tally by Forbes, is negotiating to buy Twitter in a personal capacity and Tesla is not involved in that deal. Twitter has not been able to secure so far a go shop provision under its agreement with Musk that would allow it to solicit other bids once the deal is signed, the sources said. Still, Twitter would be allowed to accept an offer from another party by paying Musk a breakup fee, the sources added. The sources requested anonymity because the matter is clearly frickin' confidential. Uh, Twitter shares were up 4.5% in pre-market trading in New York on Monday at $51.15. Be careful of a rug pull, ladies and gentlemen. There are people that are saying this deal is done. As far as I can tell, I, I don't know if it's done or not. By the time you hear this, it may already be solidified in the news. But as I'm reading it right now, we don't know. It's just that they're very, very close to the deal. It'll, it, do you think... Twitter is going to be saved by Elon Musk. I don't know. We'll see. I have no idea. I know one thing about, I know one thing and one thing only about Elon Musk is that he is batshit crazy. He is absolutely insane. And that's okay. I mean, lots of people are insane and they, maybe it takes being insane and having literally no sense of danger for you to get smoking rich by telling the United States government that you want the taxpayer's money to produce a car that they're going to sell to the taxpayers. I, I mean, honestly, those are huge balls. That's the big balls right there. And then you're going to make a space company and then you're going to do the boring company and then you're going to make flamethrowers. The man is insane. Will he restore free speech to Twitter? I don't know. But regardless of whether or not he does, I have to say, I am enjoying watching the blue checks lose their ever loving mind. I got shit blown up all over the place. We got food distributorships on fire. Like 11 in the last, what, week and a half have caught on fire and burnt to the ground. And somehow or another in two of these things, or at least in, well, there was two stories. One, a Cessna crashed into a food distributorship or some kind of food plant right? Didn't, uh, it was a potato. That's what it was. It was a potato company did not catch on fire. However, another one of Cessna crashed into a, a place and it did catch on fire. And from what I understand, burnt to the ground, I got Musk acting like the crazy man and he's causing blue checks to lose their mind. I got Disney that's lost a third of its value. Twitter's in the fucking tank. Netflix is in the fucking tank. Every, all these, these woke ass platforms are all tanking hard. Why? Because when you cater to 1% of the population of the world, 99% pull the plug. You got hosed. CNN plus dead. Disney almost dead. Tax liability or ta they're going to be liable for taxes in Florida. I saw a tweet the other day that said, well, you know, now that 
Disney is liable for taxation in Florida, it'd be a damn shame if, uh, oh, they're, actually, no, let, let me back up. Let me say it this way. They're not only losing their tax liabilities, they're, they're basically losing all, or not losing, they're gaining tax liability because they're getting their tax-exempt status basically cut off. But it's more than that. They don't get the special privileges like not being inspected by Florida State building inspectors. And this guy on Twitter was like, it'd be a real damn shame if Florida State sent in a bunch of building inspectors and found out that a bunch of these buildings are not up to Florida code. Well, that's going to cause that's going to cause Disney shares to tank even further. It's not looking good for Disney right now. They literally took a legacy. I don't know anything about Walt Disney. Maybe he was just evil incarnate, but I don't know anything about the man. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that he wanted to, I don't know, put smiles on children's faces. I know some of you are already out there because you know better than me and you're screaming at me. Okay, I get it. I hear you. I just need to make the assumption so I can roll on. This is like the succession planning and farming and ranching that I was telling you about. Here we have an example that we had clear lines of succession. And the great great granddaughter or however she's whoever this person is as part of the Disney family and the Disney family that is alive that is allowing all this woke bullshit to happen have essentially destroyed their granddaddy's farm. They they essentially went conventional. They stopped being organic. And they started putting Roundup on everything and started killing every pest they could see. And they didn't let the natural course take action on the farm. And now you've got a 31% decrease in Disney stock price. And I guarantee you their shareholders are fucking pissed. It would not surprise me one bit if the shareholders filed a class action lawsuit against Disney. It would not surprise me one bit. Now, further, but this time more about how Bitcoin fixes this. Bitcoin Beach spawns a fast-growing offshoot in Costa Rica called the Bitcoin Jungle. Stuart Grudgings is writing this for Bitcoin Magazine. As a former resident of Venezuela, Josef Dvorak knows a thing or two about inflation, economic mismanagement, and the risks of fiat currencies, and that's why. He's been among the most enthusiastic pioneers of a new Bitcoin payments ecosystem that has sprung up in this lush southern region of Costa Rica known as Costa Ballena, or Whale Coast. Dvorak, a 71-year-old Czech national who sells artisan bread with his Venezuelan wife at local food markets, said he is now doing around 25% of his sales through the new Bitcoin jungle wallet. Aside from giving him the option of earning Bitcoin, he says the biggest advantage of using it has been saving the fees of up to 8% that he loses with credit card sales. It's been amazing, said Dvorak, who lived in Venezuela for 20 years. Most of us using Bitcoin now leave the credit card machines at home, he added, referring to his fellow stall vendors. The evolution of Bitcoin jungle in this region means that El Salvador is no longer the only place in Central America where you can buy coffee with Bitcoin before hitting the beach. In fact, 
You could do a whole lot more with it these days in this corner of Costa Rica. And on a recent Friday in the surf town of Dominical, over a dozen vendors, including Dvorak, were accepting Bitcoin. A few minutes walked down the main street, the plastic orange Bitcoin plaque was also on display at Mongo Congo, or Howler Monkey, a popular breakfast and lunch cafe. A pharmacy next door recently started taking Bitcoin, as did a slew of restaurants and other tourist-oriented businesses in the town of Uvida, a 15-minute drive south of Dominical. In total, Around 50 roving market vendors and 20 brick and mortar businesses have signed up to the Bitcoin Jungle project since it was launched about six months ago. The wallet app has had about 1,500 downloads and 1,000 monthly active users. The project is a prime example of how the original Bitcoin beach in El Salvador's El Zante, which presaged that country's decision to make Bitcoin legal tender last year, is spurring the organic growth of local Bitcoin ecosystems elsewhere in the world. It's also providing more evidence that Bitcoin can be an effective and useful payment system, something that skeptics have long rejected because of its slow transaction speeds and relatively high costs. Like the El Zante project, Bitcoin Jungle's wallet runs on the second layer Lightning Network, making transactions vastly faster and cheaper than they would be on the underlying Bitcoin blockchain. It's a fork of the original Bitcoin Beach wallet, wallet built with the open source Bitcoin development platform Galoi, but has added features like a GPS map showing locations where Bitcoin is accepted and contactless near field communications or NFC payment capability. Richard Scottford, a 50-year-old former Hong Kong resident who has been active in that region's pro-democracy movement, came up with the idea for Bitcoin Jungle as he and his wife moved ahead with plans to launch a local middle school on the Bitcoin standard. Quote, the more I dive deep into Bitcoin, the more it was obvious to me that this area was primed to do it. We just needed to start pulling people over to the Bitcoin standard by giving them outlets to spend their Bitcoin. Scottford says that Costa Rica's economy and financial system demanded a different approach for Bitcoin jungle. In contrast to impoverished El Salvador, Costa Rica has long had one of the most stable economies in Latin America, low levels of corruption and a relatively good standard of living. Quote, El Salvador is about banking the unbanked. Costa Ricans have bank accounts and most of the time they aren't questioning the financial system, Scottford said. So instead of relying on adoption by locals, Bitcoin Jungle is primarily aiming to penetrate the ranks of foreign tourists who flock here for Costa Rica's unspoiled beaches, verdant rainforest, and pristine waterfalls. Given the option to pay seamlessly with Bitcoin, tourists could leave their credit cards and debit cards at home or at least back at the hotel. For their part, hotels, restaurants, and retreat centers get an escape route from painfully high credit card fees and the chance to hold some Bitcoin for the long term. The idea is that this will eventually lead to a circular Bitcoin economy that will also draw in Costa Ricans. Lee Salmanen, a software developer who sold his business in the payment sector before moving to Uvita and partnering with Scottford on Bitcoin Jungle, said he's optimistic that more locals will come on board, especially given that Costa Rica's own currency has declined around 10% against the dollar in the past year. The process of onboarding locals has been helped by one-to-one sessions in which Salmon and Scottford listen to people's financial pain points and explain how Bitcoin can solve them and, crucially, 
by giving them the option of quickly converting it into dollars. After the first week of Bitcoin jungle going live in the local markets, every vendor took the option to cash out. Now, very few are cashing out, says Salmonen. Quote, it's been an incredible progression at the markets. Every week they come in and have a next level of complex questions about Bitcoin or the economy or inflation. Everyone has their reasons. Some have a healthy distrust of the government. Some have family in far off places and some just like to speculate, end quote. Marking the next step in enhancing the ability to switch between Bitcoin and fiat was the recent arrival of two shiny new Bitcoin ATMs. Costa Rica's government has taken a restrained approach to cryptocurrencies, accepting them as legal to use, but warns citizens that buying them can be risky. But a recent COVID-19 driven slump in tourist arrivals could be a catalyst for change in official attitudes, said Salmonen. Quote, the tourism ministry wants to talk with us to form an angle of how Bitcoin can be positive for tourism here and use that to drive legislation. Pausing just to say, Convention, a small one, get 300, get no more than 1,000 people to go to frickin' Costa Rica because it's beautiful. You get 1,000 people to go to Costa Rica and they're all Bitcoiners or most of them are Bitcoiners, they'll figure it out really fucking quick. Continuing, the Czech vendor Dvorak said he thinks that more Costa Ricans will come around to Bitcoin payments when they realize it gives them the opportunity to bank or rather unbank themselves, cutting out the need to stand in long lines for services at banks and ATMs. Fuad Yantani, a 43-year-old Chilean selling cold-pressed juices, said that Bitcoin jungle payments made up a small but growing portion of his sales. He said Bitcoin has been useful for making and receiving payments from other vendors as well, but his longer-term goal was to treat it as an investment. Quote, my idea is to save more of it than to spend, he said. Okay, think about that. That's a savings account. When was the last time you actually thought about savings as an investment? I think I might may have been wrong all this time because I usually kind of cringe when somebody says, I'm investing in Bitcoin. Well, I just had a light bulb moment. If you're investing, how, you're investing in your savings. That means you're investing in yourself. Maybe it's okay to say investing in Bitcoin, but for God's sakes, there is no such thing as investing in shit coins, okay? Just stop, just stop it. NFTs, stop it. ICOs, stop it. Altcoins, stop. Doge, go jump off a cliff because that's what you're gonna wanna do if you actually think Dogecoin is a thing. I don't care what Elon Musk says about it. I don't care that if he gets control of Twitter, it's going to be a fucking doge fest. It's not going to matter. I spent two hours talking to three gentlemen from Unchained Capital at a table at the Beef Initiative. And one of those three people did not use Twitter, doesn't have a Twitter account, wanted to communicate with me on Signal. I'm like, holy shit, you're not on Twitter? Thank God. It's not going to matter. If you think that Dogecoin is going to become a thing because one billionaire buys one social media company and a whole shit ton of news stories is written about it, then you don't understand anything about any of this. And you're going to lose. I would rather see you win. Please don't lose. Please, for the love of God. Now, let's get back to the whole beef initiative thing, considering that I was just talking to, to those, uh, talking about those three guys from Unchained. Uh, really, 
really nice guys. I had some of the most amazing conversations in my life in one single day. It was everything that I thought this conference was going to be, and then it became so much more. Let's talk about building your own business with Teresa Martin. She was up. She's uh, one of the partners for the Beef Initiative, and she's a marketer. Uh, And she talked about building a marketing plan, building a business plan, doing the things. If you have like a plan or if you've got an idea for a business, this is the kind of woman that you go talk to. Teresa Martin from, I think her company's name is Flipcat. Pretty sure it's Flipcat. Uh, Actually, hold on. Uh, Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm back. I had to get, uh, I took some notes uh, during the conference and I wanted to make sure I got this right. Her name is uh, Teresa Martin. She is uh, an MBA JD. That means that she has a doctor of jurisprudence, so she's a lawyer and she has an MBA. She's She can cover the legal as well as the financial is, is what that actually means. Um, you can find Flipcat Consulting LLC on Twitter at Flipcat LLC, all one word, F-L-I-P-C-A-T-L-L-C. Um, and uh, yeah, she's at, like, if you want the email address, it's Teresa at FlipcatConsulting.com. All right, so, so she's talking in language, again, that normies, they can see that they've been to, I guarantee you half of these, if not, you know, three quarters of the people in the audience have been to some kind of discussion on what it, what goes into a business plan? What, how, what kind of financials do I need? How do I market this? How do I, how do I do a marketing plan? I don't, I mean, I, I suck at marketing. You know this, I talk about it all the time. I am the guy that needs to call Teresa. I'm the guy that needs to get her on the phone and say, please help. How the hell do I get this show out to more people? I don't know how to do it. It's impossible. It seems everybody else has done it so quickly. And I'm sitting here three years out going, what the hell did I do? <laughs> it's like, what, what do I do next? Teresa Martin is, is your girl, right? So the point is, is that she's talking to all these normies. And then she brings up Bitcoin. She plugs Bitcoin into that system. She plugs Bitcoin right into a broken system. How to, you know, like the whole system of legacy financial that goes in, that's going to be connected with you starting a business, right? What what was next? Well, we had transacting with with Bitcoin with Michael Atwood from Oshi app. And you know what's really great about this one is that he basically was talking about nothing but all of the different ways that vendors can associate with their consumers via Bitcoin with the Oshi app, but he didn't mention that until the final 10 minutes of his presentation. You know what else he talked about? He talked about BTC pay server, how you can use that. He talked about uh, ZapRite, if I believe. He talked about several different ways that vendors, i.e. ranchers and farmers can sell their products via Bitcoin with 10 different, like I think it was, he covered 10 or 12 different ways. And at least seven of them could be considered 
direct competitors with Oshiap. I think I, I may be cl clearly wrong, but he didn't talk about his own project until the very fucking end. What does that tell you about the ethos of this guy? Where's his mind? His mind is not about selling his own shit. His mind is about talking to these people that need any way out of the situation that they find themselves in. A broken financial system. All synthetic systems on planet Earth are fucked. And financial system is one of those synthetic systems. They know it. And here's Michael Atwood from Oshiap talking about every other way that you can actually interact as a producer with your consumer. And he doesn't bring up his own solution until the very end. What does that tell you about a Bitcoiner? Oh, oh, he's a toxic maximalist. He's a mean old man on, on Twitter. No, he stood up there for 40 minutes. And for 30 of them, if not 35, he talked about other ways other than his own that you can use Bitcoin. He's focused on Bitcoin, not on Oshiap. He's not focused on being a maximalist. None of us are. But we keep getting derided as such. So tell me if he's so evil and mean, then why the hell is he promoting all these other people's platforms? And he waits until the very end to talk about his own. Yeah. For anybody that calls Michael Atwood a fucking maximalist, then fuck you. Prove to me how he's not doing the Lord's work here. Continuing on, Parker Lewis. Rounding it out, he talks about the broken financial system as well. So what his talk did was reinforce Jimmy Song's talk about how the financial system was broken. And he gets deep into, he got deep into the woods about just how precarious this shit really is. And then he talks about Bitcoin. Parker Lewis's talk was really good, by the way. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, so we, we, we end it with final notes from uh, Texas Slim, Cole Bolton, and uh, Jason Wright, the two, the two ranchers. And of course, modern team man, Texas Slim himself. And they kind of recap, not what happened during the day, but why they're here. Why, why do they do what they do? Why do they ranch? Cole Bolton runs 2,000 head of cattle and he still has to have an off-farm job. He's a vice president of a bank and he's running 2,000 head of cattle. We're coming into a drought. Actually, we've been in a drought, but I think this year is going to be really bad. And I think Cole, they were talking about this. They were talking about having to sell off shit when it gets to be drought. And, but even if in the best of times, is Cole going to be able to do what he really loves doing full time? And he can't do it with 2,000 head of cattle. That kind of makes me a little sad. How do we fix this? What, here's the gist of what I saw. My light bulb moments were the fact that I got Bitcoiners orange pilling ranchers and ranchers ranch pilling Bitcoiners. There were so many hardcore Bitcoiners that were so interested in listening to what Jason Wright had to say about pasture. 
two of the guys from Unchained Capital. I was sitting with that, that discussion I was telling you about. I was sitting with them earlier when Jason Wright was with us. Or Jason, not Wright, Jason Rich, when he was with us. And me and Jason were talking about the importance of plants, how far down their roots go. What do they, like when, when I started talking about how 50% of photosynthetic products produced from grass don't actually end up in the grass or the leaves or the tree wood or whatever, that it actually ends up being sugar exudates blasted out into the soil to feed the soil microbia there so that they can help the plant do all the stuff that it needs to do. They, were, they weren't bored. They were far from bored. The discussions that the people that know about all this shit that they were having with Bitcoiners, they were just as interested in Bitcoin as the Bitcoiners were in grass. They'll, the hundred people that were there that were Bitcoiners, of the hundred that were Bitcoiners, not a single one of them is going to go and ever look at grass, pasture, beef in the same way ever again. And none of the hundred people that knew shit about Bitcoin are ever going to look at Bitcoin the same way again. And that night, I go back to the hotel room. I'm watching sci-fi. And what, lo and behold, a commercial comes on. Sci-fi network, S-Y-F-Y, used to be S-C-I-F-I, but now it's sci-fi network. Not the largest network, but it's, People know about sci-fi and what comes up is a Bitcoin commercial, national Bitcoin commercial for a points reward credit card that rewards you in Bitcoin. It was like upload or uplift.com. I don't know. I don't care. I'm just going to use Fold for that kind of shit. I, I'm, I'm going to stay true to my roots. I don't need any of these, you know, any, any of this other stuff. We already built all this. But all these other people are going to have better marketing. They're going to have, you know, billions of dollars behind being able to, to buy ad runs and shit like that. So, you know, do what you want. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy with Swan. I'm good with it. But the point is, is that after a whole day of watching meat eaters, meat pill Bitcoiners, and Bitcoiners were already meat eaters, so they just turned right around and orange pill the meat producers and everybody gets interested in pasture and everybody gets interested in running cattle and everybody gets interested in, in, in the fact that, that we're, we're looking square in the face of some really weird shit going on in agriculture. We talked about all of it at the same time, at the same place, with each other. And my takeaway is this. When people say Bitcoin fixes this, I figured out what was happening was that we were plugging Bitcoin into a broken synthetic system. And you could see the orangeness start emanating out from the injection point, And it was just infecting everybody. And it be, dawned on me, it began to dawn on me at that point that you can plug Bitcoin into any system and it will fix it. Not immediately, but eventually and permanently. Bitcoin fixes this. With this woman, this doctor, Mary Care, MD, what happens when she started? She didn't say it. I don't, so I don't think she is taking Bitcoin for, uh, good, for her services as a doctor. She's going to start considering it now. I guarantee it. Will she be able to do that? It, the medical system is a broken system. 
the way that she was talking about B12 it led me to say, oh, all well, you go into a, like a general nutrition center, a GNC, and realize that 80% of this shit is unusable by the, by the actual human body. I'm not saying that it's all a, like it's a scam. I'm just saying just because I take B12 does not necessarily mean that I get B12. And you can actually solve that beyond a shadow of a doubt by, you know, taking a blood test, looking at your B12 levels, and then do it six months later after you take B12 every single day. If your B12 levels in your blood rise, that means that you're able to digest that, that you're able to incorporate it, but not everybody can. More people can through eating red meat. And you get the zinc and you get the selenium and you get the iron, all of which are critical for metabolic systems in the human body, but also all three are critical for photosynthesis, which is the only way that we get ruminants. So our relationship to the soil goes through the ruminant with shared minerals. We share minerals and we use them in an entirely different way, but they're just as important for photosynthesis as they are for metabolic health in the human being. Let that sink in. There is another one of, the, of these beef initiative conferences that are coming up in June. I believe it's June. Go to the Beef Initiative website. That is beefinitiative.com. Beef Initiative is all one word, dot com. There's another one in Western Colorado, and that's going to be over at Jason Rich's uh, ranch. But here's the most exciting one of all is going to be the one in Georgia. And not to say anything bad about Jason, it's going to be the one in Georgia. And I'll tell you why tomorrow. See you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.